You're listening to GGR Pirate Radio. Don't be a juice bag. We a refuge for great geeks, cause round here we don't get geek. We don't care for the hate speech, that's why we ain't mainstream. So we linked up on the same team, no heights we can't reach. We are fan, we're hearts true. If you feel the same, sing along to say great geek, great geek. Refuge, refuge, great geek, great geek. Refuge, refuge. Don't be a juice bag, cause round here we don't do that. Don't be a juice bag, cause round here we don't do that. Like, uh, action news. And now, your host, Mike Lutzer. I'm totally going to use that, too. Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of At the Diner, the flagship podcast here on the Great Geek Refuge. My name is Mike Lunsford. I am the host of this wonderful podcast. I'm also the editor-in-chief of our website. It's greatgeekrefuge.com. We're coming up on 10 years of doing wonderful, geeky, nerdy content. Um, Super excited about that. But let's jump into the podcast festivities. Joining me in the co-hosting duties of this show are my two fantastic co-hosts. You know them, you love them. Our first just recently released some new music. You can check it out on Bandcamp or anywhere that you can find wonderful music. His name is MC Brooks. Just want to reiterate, just trying to spread the agenda in regards to our Lord and, not Lord and Savior, our future pirate king, Monkey D. Luffy. Go watch One Piece. I'm on episode 551. In co-host seat number two, wonderfully talented visual artist, uh, also incredibly knowledgeable about all things comic books, pop culture related things such as TV shows, movies, all of that wonderful stuff. His name is James Rambo. Yeah, my focus is not even kind of on the show right now. Um, <laughs> I, I, uh, I might be able to get some Adam Hughes sketches from Baltimore Comic Con because this is the one time football has actually worked in my favor. Uh, I don't know. Uh, go team. Yeah. Fucking. So I do want to do kind of a quick aside here um, before we jump into uh, our topics for the podcast. Um, that's really interesting. So the behind the scenes with that, guys, just so you know, right now, Baltimore Comic Con is going on. Um, but the Baltimore Ravens, the uh, the football team there in Baltimore, are having their first home game of the season. Um, and it has caused pretty much nobody to be at the Comic Con. Um, Adam Hughes, I'm not familiar with him that much. Where, where m- might we have seen some of Adam Hughes's work? Adam Hughes is, uh, known for doing, um, really cheesecakey art, but, and I've seen multiple women say this and I've seen multiple, uh, uh, like both queer and straight all, and, and almost universally responses. Yeah, but his is really good. Like his is hang he, on. he manages to do cheesecake in a way that's like respectful. Hang on, I'm looking at this right now. There's a Wonder You've Woman seen... picture that holy crap, that is awesome. And he's just he's just not giving away, but for his normal prices, he's just oh, giving this away. It's dirt cheap. Oh, dude, that Captain America one? That is cool. Yeah, no, he's incredible. He like he he did an entire run of uh 
when what was that? I think it was Will Pfeiffer was writing Catwoman back in the like yeah. early 2000s he did uh all of the Catwoman covers yeah and for a good long time he was using Audrey Hepburn as his reference for Selena so you can look at those covers and it's like he's drawing Audrey Hepburn as wow. like a curvy uh uh cat burglar and they're I all see beautiful. what you're talking they're about right phenomenal. now because I'm looking at that one yeah that's yeah yeah that is totally Audrey Hepburn <laughs> I like that he also is like, there's a Wonder Woman run right here where her musculature is not the typical over the top 90s Rob Liefeld bullshit. It, she just looks like she's ripped. It doesn't look like she's like out of proportion kind of thing. Like his rendering yeah. is always really realistic. Yeah. Uh, in terms of like, like the, the builds of people. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's, yeah, it's an cool. opportunity that does not come along from very often. I have to take a phone call. Give me one second. <laughs> <laughs> Our man's getting work done right now. He's got Absolutely. things to do. No, this it's understandable. All relevant. Yeah. Hey, like all and nerd stuff. Yeah, and frankly, yeah, that's what this is. Exactly. Like you guys know what uh at the diner is all about, what GGR is all about. It's about being passionate about the things that we love and not really holding back and not like having to worry about people judging you for the things that you love. Let's Rambo is literally, it sounds like he's probably placing an order. It would be my guess to get this awesome <laughs> sketch, which is really, really cool. Exactly. Um, while he's doing that, this works out though, because he's not as big a sports fan as uh, MC and I are. Um, so let's talk, let's talk about that real quick. Um, I am, this is the first time I've been excited about a Washington football team game in forever. Um, I'm, I'm probably not going to watch just because like, I'm still not a hundred percent back in like, but I'm, yeah. But seeing the response from the fans, but more importantly, people that played for the team before, that's, that's amazing. I, I think that's the part that's like, yeah, like it's like that's such a, a major deal. Yeah, that like folks that while they haven't been like as public about their disdain for the previous owner or their relationship to the organization, now they now can coming be. out in like Champ Bailey is coming back for the first time since he was traded. Yeah, like that's crazy yeah they had and 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 you'll 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 definitely get this one too because you were you were a fan back in 2012 like i was but rg they got rg to do the the to narrate their welcome home promotion promotion video for fedex their first sold out fedex um fedex stadium in years yeah and and the fact that robert is going to be there you know like this so much of this fan base has regardless of which, which side of the of that situation she fell on like he's been very maligned for how all of that went down you know whether you were critical because he was a naive 20 something or 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 whether you were doing the racist thing <laughs> like a lot yeah. of the fans fans were and you know i don't think anyone ever like ever foresaw that like oh yeah like why would he ever want to come back here considering how this organization and fan base treated him? And even this new ownership has even gotten him to want to come back and be involved yeah. in the way that he doesn't have to be. Like he, the way that he was treated here, he, if he never came back, it, it would be completely understandable. Yeah. And even he is coming back to be part of <clears throat> the festivities for, for today's game. 
Um, one of the new owners is fly, is uh, is using his private jet to fly Sonny Jurgensen in. Sonny Jurgensen and Billy Kilmer. Yeah, I saw and, that. Yeah, that was super to, cool. To, to, yeah, to fly them in because you know because of his health stuff, can't really can't really get on planes. But you know, thinks it's such a great. Like, it's, it's just really cool to see that they are literally trying to show the fans that like, hey, we're not about nonsense. We want to honor. Yeah all of the people who came before us, regardless of how it, it may have gone. And <clears throat> there's reason to be excited. There's, there's, like, we don't even know how they're going to do this year, but just there's reason to be excited and just be excited. Like we're going to be run like all the other teams do. <laughs> yeah. Mark, Mark Schler said it on the take command podcast the other day. He was like, Hey, welcome back to the NFL. Like now you yeah. can just, you can just, it's not about, you know, where Dan Snyder's jet is, who he pissed off with allegations oh, yeah. coming up. It's just, you're about to get just weeks of just like, Hey, actual football. Yeah. I mean, can we, or can we beat this team? Why is this person hurt? Et cetera. And then yeah. just that's, yeah. Great. It's, it's going to be fantastic because like the thing that I never really put together until the release of all the allegations against the team, um, against like the way they treated women, like it was the cheerleader stuff, but it was also any female employee. When I started finding out and reading and hearing from people who had worked for other NFL teams and then also worked for Washington, like how badly run and how poorly run this team was that mm-hmm. like they they were saying that 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 like Washington's office setup was like 25 years behind what it should be that mm-hmm. like it was disorganized and they didn't have the right people and they didn't have they the had right no staff. HR department. Yeah, like, exactly. There, 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 there was no HR department. So like for people who were like for anybody who's trying to defend Dan Snyder and be like, well, yeah, he made millions and billions, you know, so he must be doing something right. I, I have one word for you. And it's Elon Musk because he's they're the exact same. They're this whole like, oh, millionaires and billionaires are, are smart. And that's how they got to the point where they are is bullshit. Like, especially if we're talking about people like him, Dan Snyder just continued to fail upward and just had a lot of money from before. And frankly, that's the same thing Elon Musk does, which side note, if anybody still is out there thinking Elon Musk is some great, wonderful person, the whole reason that people were kind of still defending him was because he had the Skylink satellite thing that was helping Ukraine uh, have internet access. Yeah, he pulled that recently. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And like, you're trying to tell me that this guy doesn't have any links to Russia. No, he pulled that from them. Absolutely. Like, no, he's a sack of shit. And That's, especially with uh, one of the changes that is, so it was, it was made recently, but it's yeah. re- it really hasn't made the, the news in the way that it probably should have, which is that they changed the terms of service for Twitter X, whatever, whatever, but they changed it the, basically if you have media of any kind on their website, you automatically consent to them being able to u- either use it as is or repurpose it with AI for, the- for them to use however they want. Oh, stand by. I guess I'm going to go ahead and delete the GGR uh, Twitter account. Yeah, um, they, they, fuck they, that. Yeah, they- they have yeah they they it, it literally says you you pretty much give consent by having your stuff on there be it photos uh, photos videos any other any kind of media whatsoever nope our shit while not as big as some of these other um things out there is ours and i'm not like saying that like our things have more value than other people or other entities or whatever but no it's ours and like there's because we're not ginormous and we don't have massive followings like some of these million subscriber podcasts or Joe Rogan or other dumb shit. Like 
our content is our content. And like, we can't afford to have people stealing it who may have a bigger name. Like again, Elon Musk, how would we ever be able to take him to court over that? Especially because of something like this. Oh, he just slid this in real quick, you know? Yeah. Like, See here. Yeah, here it is. By submitting, posting, or displaying content, you grant us a worldwide, non-exclusive, royalty-free license with the right to sub-license to use, copy, reproduce, pr process, adapt, modify, publish, transmit, display, and distribute such content in any and all media or distribution methods now known or later developed. Yeah. Nope. Account information. Uh, let's deactivate your account. There we go. Yeah. This... This license authorizes us to make your content available to the rest of the world and to let others do the same. Um, you can restore your X account if it was accidentally or wrongfully deactivated. Some account information will still be available in search engines. If you want to change your username to use, I just want to know once I do this, does that mean that all of our stuff is gone too? Because that's what if I want. If you deactivate it? Yeah. Uh... I'm just scared that we're going to do it and then it's not going to go away that they'll still have access to use it. All right, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna do it. I'm gonna deactivate it. I yeah. mean, you figure worst case, they might still have access to whatever they had before, Yeah. but they won't be getting anything new. True. Yeah. Hey, Elon, eat a dick. We're done. We literally like w w I remember when he took over, we talked about this. And I think like I know Rambo and I both shut ours down. MC, I know you kept yours up um, just because like and you made a really good point with it, too. And like th that there was there were times oh, there was Twitter value. Trust me, yeah. I'm, I, I I recently got uh, a blue sky invite. So like I'm yeah. on I, I have access to that now, which yeah. a blue sky, I think, is the one that Jack created like at, like after selling or yeah. after all that. Yeah. Um. How was so that? I'm on, I'm on blues. I mean, it's it's basically just like Twitter. I just, I don't yeah. know anyone else on it, so like I don't really yeah. I don't really use it because I don't, no one else I know. I think I'm if you guys wanted to be on it, I, would, I think I could get you all like invite yeah. codes, uh, invite codes to be able to to do yeah. it, or for at least for, to at least get GGR on there. Yeah. Um. At the at the very least. Yeah. Um. But I, I mean, used... like it, it it literally operates just the, yeah. the the same way as before. It's just you know it's invite yeah. only, so. You know, you, you have to be, you, know, you can't just like sign up regularly. Yeah. I use threads, but rarely. I used it when it first came out because everybody was doing it. <clears throat> yeah. And then I, and then I never fucking did, did it since then. I was just kind of yeah. like, well, yeah. yeah the only here. thing with threat, the only thing with, the only reason I don't have threads is that if you ever wanted to get rid of it, you just say you have to delete your entire Instagram account. And oh, I didn't yeah, want that's no, I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to do that. I, yeah. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm okay on that. I, you know, I, I would like to be able to get rid of this if I w ever want to get rid of it without needing to get rid of my entire, my entire Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. I've already had to do that once. Cause I, I changed my Instagram to a business profile one time and then like got locked out of it. Um, mm -hmm, for yeah. something stupid, because like, I like, I, <sighs> call me old. I, I don't care. Um, I like to be able to do things from my computer, especially when I'm doing stuff podcast related or website related and being able to create an article or create a podcast and then share it directly to social media from my laptop makes my life easier. And I did that to an Instagram oh, account. I, yeah. And it, yeah. Okay. And it, yeah, I, remember, it, I remember this. Yeah. Yeah. And then what it said was, is like, we see uh, unusual activity on your Instagram account. I was like, because it was from a fucking computer. Are you serious? 
and it yeah. completely locked me out. And like, I couldn't even get back into it. So I had to delete the whole GGR Instagram and then start a new one. It was so fucking stupid. Yeah. And the funny thing is now Instagram allows you to do all of that from browser. You, you can pretty yeah. much everything you can do from the app. You can now do from yeah. browser. And it's, if, if it wasn't integral to me connecting with you guys and all of the people that listen to our podcast and all the friends that I have across the country and across the world, I would have deleted Facebook so long ago because and it's funny, it was when I got my Google Pixel, which if you listen to the uh, Patreon uh, podcast, which you totally should, the cold open, um, it's only five bucks a month and you get free access to all sorts of extra content that we have. When I got that Google Pixel, it was right around the time that the Nats were making their playoff run um, towards the World mm -hmm. Series. And I got the Google Pixel, I got the new phone um, because my other phone had died. And in doing it, I tried to log on to Facebook and I had an issue with it and Facebook locked me out. It took two weeks to get into my old Facebook account. I had to create a new one just so that I could have a Facebook account. And every avenue, every email, every message, everything that I sent to Facebook got fucking nothing in response. Like their tech support is dog shit. They do not give a fuck. Because they don't exist anymore. They they no. they have completely they have completely gotten pretty much gotten rid of any like any chance of human inter interaction. Your best bet for hum human interaction is to go to their like community board and get other people to comment on it. But yeah. if you want to if you want to actually get to a person like it's impossible because there there actually used to be a phone number you could call for yeah. you could call to get in contact with someone if you were having mm -hmm. an issue. And that number you can call but it doesn't go yeah. to anyone or, or anything. Yeah. Yeah. And I think and like I realized that it really, it's largely just these these companies just being able to escape accountability or not having to deal with it's deal with their it's user cheaper. Base. It's cheaper yeah. too. You don't have to. You just, you just don't have to. You know, you can just get to a person. You can just go to our uh, frequently asked questions section or our yeah. um or, our uh, list of things over here. Because I, I find myself having that issue when I order. I think Uber Eats. When I order things on Uber Eats, I want to say I, I have the exact same issue because I've had I've I've had my stuff I've had my food stolen before, which is which was not fun. And then I've also had things where I ordered I ordered something. It said my order was picked up, but then my driver sat at the same location for thirty minutes, and they kept saying that it was on the way, but it was like clear that this person was not moving. They didn't respond to me, and then trying to go through their help section. It just it just gives you a series of prompts, and they're just like, well, you know, we can only we I can only help you insofar as which one you select, and it was like there's no path to even get to an actual person. No, it, it which oh. made the entire thing frustrating. I literally had to wait until the food eventually did get delivered, like an hour later, to be like, hey, what the fuck. <laughs> But this I was like, is, it's, yeah. it's frustrating that you just can't, you can't get in contact with, with a person or with somebody. Yeah. It makes me feel like such an old man when I complain about this stuff where, but like I, I saw a post somewhere and, and maybe you guys saw it as well, or maybe one of you shared it where like, I feel that the quality of product across the board for everything, clothing, food, like all of it has gone down. Like oh, thing, things are not as, as high quality as they used to be, but the same thing with customer service, because it's almost non-existent. And I never blame the employee because it's never yeah. the employee's fault. It's, I can't get mad at somebody. If I go to a Burger King at 11 o'clock in the morning and there's only one person working, 
that's not their fault. Like yeah. that's probably some dipshit store manager who is like, oh, well, we don't have enough payroll to cover more than one person, which is bullshit for a million reasons. But like it, it's I'm seeing it at my corporate job as well, where they're they're getting rid of entire departments and expecting like one person to fill three roles. Like it's it's the way of the world right now and it's fucked up. And like I'm hoping that this is just a, a blip on the radar and eventually this is the catalyst for better things and things improve but it's it's shitty right now man absolutely i mean it, for me it makes me wonder because uh, i agree with you it, but when i try to think about what better looks like like what like because I, I can't foresee the people the decision makers realizing hey maybe we should have three cashiers working or we should have five cashiers working yeah so that it's not so that when people go there they're not standing in line for more time than they've been in the actual store shopping <clears throat> yeah but i don't know i don't know exactly I, I i i struggle to think about what exactly it is because for them they're just like oh cool we, we, we're saving money by not having bodies there awesome cool they, yeah. and, like in and, and, and a lot of times those decision makers are so disconnected from the actual thing because they don't they're not working you know they're not dealing with customers they're not dealing with reshops with inventory, with any of this stuff, they are looking at numbers and being like, "Hey, cool. Hey, we. Uh, hey, I made an extra five hundred k from not having people working Saturdays and Sundays now. Dope." Yeah, exactly. And it's it's just it's it's fucking horrible. It really is. And it's yeah, it's the it, way it, it kind of yeah, it kind of makes me. I mean, the, the the one thing I'll say is like I I I kind of hope that it it helps people to kind of realize just how much capitalism sucks yeah. because this, because, because that's the thing that's the driving force behind, behind all of this. Like, yes, it's easy to get frustrated with the people with the people in the moment. Yeah. But that's also by design. You're angrier at the people there than the person, than the people who made the choice to make it. So that person is the only person you have to deal with or yeah. um, interact or interact and interact with. Yep. And because, you know, you're the consumer, you know, you, like they, they're literally banking on you're not going to go home and call corporate and try to and file a, a complaint officially. You're going to you're going to rag on the person directly in front of you because it's a yep. more immediate release. And you feel like they're, you can, they have a more direct impact on you because, you know, they, they, they can be the mascot for all of, for, for all that is wrong with your experience at this place. Well, and that's the thing too, man, is like, there is no corporate anymore. Um, <clears throat> I remember, it. I remember during the pandemic, we were on this kick where we wanted to grow all of our own shit. You know, what's wrong with that? Right. We wanted to have an herb garden. Um, there was this mushroom kit where you buy this box and you spray some water and shit in the thing. And it's supposed to grow mushrooms. Right. Um, it didn't work at all. We followed the directions to the T, no fucking mushrooms. And we look on the back of the box and it's like, Hey, if you have any problems, go to our Twitter account, go to this. I did. There was no fucking Twitter account. It was dead. Not only that, there was no phone number. There was no one to call. There was no one to contact. And like, we went to their website and it was like, contact us. I did. And it was like a form you fill out. We never fucking heard back from them. Like all of these things all of this shit that we keep seeing and yeah. hearing like is just it, it's all cost saving measures it's all yeah. like side note yeah. rambo that is cool as shit <laughs> that is awesome yeah 
yeah wow. so they managed to get both sketches and it's, uh, yeah, it's <laughs> a Kyle Rayner dope. 90s like Kyle Rayner with the crab mask on the uh on a Green Lantern blank and a smiling Superman on Action 1000 I like that and I am that's cool very very pleased with these <laughs> damn I wish I had a hundred bucks shit <laughs> <laughs> That is really cool, though. Yeah. Um. Um. We I, MC and I covered for you, well, by the way. Like yeah. appreciated. Yeah. No problem. No, I, I caught. I caught a little bit of it. Um, yep. If I'm yeah. buying more than like five things, do you know what I fucking hate? What's that? The goddamn self service checkout. I hate it so much. Yeah. It is so irritating. Um. Now, to be clear, if that is my only option. I am all for people who don't want to deal with other folks, people with social anxiety, um, all that shit. I totally get it, and I want that to be an option. But when it is the only option, and I have a, a fucking cart full of groceries, fuck you. I didn't realize. Bill Burr has a great bit about this exact thing. He's like, oh, I didn't check the schedule. I didn't realize I was. I had a shift. Like, what the fuck? I don't work for Safeway. Kiss my ass. <laughs> like, I should be able to walk up there, do a 10 count, and if nobody helps me, just walk out with them. Like, this yeah. is fucking nonsense. Absolutely. 100%. Sandy had a really interesting um, situation like this. She went to CVS, you know, home of the enormously long receipt. Um, she went to <laughs> yeah. she went to CVS, right? And this, this dude who... Like picture, picture what you think. Uh, let me tell the story, and then you guys tell me what you think this guy looks like and what kind of vehicle he drove. Um, he walks in, doesn't have anything to buy yet. Walks in, like saunters in, like real confident, right? Comes in and hits, goes right to the self checkout button, uh, uh, the kiosk, and hits the button for "I need help." The dude at the back of the place, who is stocking shelves, drops what he's doing, walks all the way up there. He's like, yes, sir. How can I help you? He goes, oh, well, I, I could, I can handle this myself, but I'm trying to keep your job. The CVS employee goes, sir, while I appreciate that, all of us CVS employees are taught to do everything in the store. So I can ring you up. I can do inventory, which is what I'm currently doing. I can restock shelves. I can, I can do everything. So while I appreciate your sentiment, I don't need this. And he goes, well, yeah, well, that's what's wrong with America right now. And he just goes off on this fucking rant. And like, the guy's like, all right, cool. Um, So what do you need? He's like, oh, I just need this pack of gum or whatever. And he's like, okay, $1.50. Thanks. Like, <laughs> have the option, yes. But like, the, the, the whole like, I'm going to... <laughs> I'm I'm going to be the savior of all things great and holy by making your life more difficult and uncomfortable because even though you told me this isn't helping me in any way. It, it, I learned something recently. This is like within the last 10 years that, that really, really hit me hard is like if you try to help somebody, but they didn't ask you for help, you're not helping them. No. Yeah. And that's what this was. So now that I've said this, what do you think this guy looked like and what kind of vehicle do you think he was driving? Oh, he was a late middle-aged white man in a pickup. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he probably had some sort of American flag something on his person, be it a hat or a shirt or some shorts. Um, Jean shorts. 
He probably had reflective sunglasses on top of that. The sunglasses over the bill. Oh shit! Um, or off the back of his his head, which I've never fucking understood. Oh, the now, ones on the when they put them on you in the yeah. back of their neck, like yeah. that ditch. Yeah. Well, are you worried about a tiger attack? Like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, do you think you need to have a face on the back of your head so you won't get jumped by a big cat? Um, <laughs> ah, I'm big. Uh. Like, I just I don't fucking. Ugh. <laughs> A hundred percent. You just nailed it. A hundred percent. Like, fuck, man. Like, but yeah, the self-checkout thing irks the shit out of me because Walmart is, I wouldn't say they invented this, but Walmart is a big proponent of this. And Walmart is the fucking worst of the worst because Walmart does not give a fuck about any of their employees. Mind you, this company makes billions a year. Not billions across, like they make billions of dollars a year so that all of their like higher ups, multiple yachts, like they're just, they're set for not life. They're set forever. And like their employees compared to every other employee of every other company in the fucking world, more of their employees are on welfare than any other employee in the world because they don't pay them shit. But they make billions and like it just it, it's I feel and, you know, call me whatever the fuck you want. I, I really don't care. But like that's wrong, period. There's no reason why that should exist ever. Like these people are the ones that are stocking your shelves, that are keeping right. your uh, place clean, that are making sure that like everything is done so that your place runs. You should take care of them. But like the fact that like. You're a bill like I've seen this a lot. Like there billionaires should not exist. If you have a billion dollars, and not only that, multiple billions, they all you have to do is take, let's say you have 50 billion, take one billion of that and put it back into your people, and they're set. That it's that easy. I can just get more people though. Why would I ever reinvest in these people? They're not an investment. They're just workers. This is the same thing. This is the same argument I used to have with GameStop when I worked for them for years. Like they would rather hire somebody new off the street than keep somebody that was worth a shit. Mm -hmm. So instead of paying the people that mm -hmm. one, knew their job, two, were good at their job, three, had already been trained and knew how to do it. Instead of paying them a reasonable living wage, they would rather hire some dipshit off the street and then pay to train them for them to do a lesser job. And like that, there's no way like, and that's the other thing is that's, that's flawed logic. There's no way that that makes the company more money. There's no way, because if you have experienced people actually do it, they're going to produce more. If you actually make them feel like, like they're cared for, like that you actually give a fuck about them. They're not going to do a shitty job. Why do you think so many of these retail establishments, like all of the people that work there are in shitty moods because you treat them like shit. Yeah. Wow, we had a you plan make... for this podcast and we haven't gone anywhere near it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh, sorry, true, sorry, MC. Go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> no, I was going to. I was going to. I was going <laughs> to say that. I mean, that's pretty. That's pretty much it. Yeah, and it, and it's funny too because you know that while doing all that, they, there's also this expectation that you're supposed to be happy or feel good about the fact you're making like nothing. Yeah, you know that you're you're gonna go above and beyond for your seven twenty five or whatever it is, uh, whatever it is, uh, where where you are. 
I, I remember yeah. when I worked at Kmart, I've made seven seventy five, and they tried to. Have, they made it seem like I was doing something by making fifty cents more than like <laughs> the <laughs> fifty cents more at seven at seven at seven seventy five than uh, you know like like the like some of the others, and then it turns out that like even some of the leads at the store, like the ones who were getting there at five six a.m. and and organizing and doing inventory and all that, like most of them were only making what minimum wage is now at least like 15. They weren't even making that much, that much more money, but they, 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 there's this expectation that they have that, you know, you're going to, you're going to go above and beyond for your 775. But if you just do your job, like literally just your responsibilities, then you're not doing enough. Cause wasn't there, wasn't there, um, a term that was that we that got popular in the last two years was it like quiet quitting or something. Yeah, where it's like yeah. where it's like you're an employee who just does their job. You don't go above and beyond. You don't yep. try to take on more responsibility. You don't you don't do anything other than what quiet paid to do. Quiet quitting. No, that's called doing your fucking job. <laughs> doing like, your job. What do you mean you're not going above and beyond? No, I'm not. Yeah. No, Why should I? Why should I? Yeah. Yeah. What, to what benefit is that yeah. for me? Well, it shows that you, it shows you have gumption and moxie and other words from the 1920s. Um, yeah. <laughs> the yeah. last time we had a major labor crisis. Yeah, you're right. It's yeah. such fucking nonsense. Yeah. Um, friend of the show, Miranda Mall, used a term that I really like. It's called rule to work. This is what my expectation is. I'm doing exactly that and nothing more. It's not quiet quitting. Quiet quitting is a term that's used by, like, for lack of a better term, the man. Like, the people in charge, they're using that term because they think you're quitting if you're not busting your ass for them. Like, yeah, yeah. Nah, fuck all that bullshit. What do you mean you're only going to work the 40 hours you were assigned? Yeah, yeah. that's my job, dude. I mean, that's, that's that's what I'm doing. It, yeah. it's, it's funny because, like, I, I feel like I have this conversation with one of my coworkers very often because – you know, he seems to have this thing where he wants to be liked by people. So he oh, does a lot of things. I get that. that are not our responsibility that we don't have to do, but he does them because someone asks him and he's like, yeah, sure. And I'm just like, bro, we don't make enough to be doing all this extra stuff, all this extra labor that, nope. you know, is not our responsibility to begin with. We are not being paid to do that for one. And for two, it's not, it doesn't amount to anything. Like you can... All, yeah. all, all it is is you getting taken advantage of because you're willing to go above and beyond for stuff that you don't actually have to do. Like, do the stuff you know that we're supposed to do. We don't need like if 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 you know if they're if they're gonna pay us more to do that stuff, awesome. We can negotiate for that. We can talk about that. Yeah. But as currently constructed, we make this amount, and our responsibilities are these things right here. If it falls outside of that you know like not, ha not happening <laughs> yeah like yeah like because I, like, I, I really think that that's why for why some of the people in my building treat me differently than they treat him because like i don't try to do anything more than what i'm being paid to do and like we're all there and, and it's literally like and i think rambo you you're one of the first people i heard say this which is like if i were not being paid i would not be here straight yeah. up like if you like if i were not getting a check if 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 that money was not being direct deposited every week, I would literally be not here. I would be somewhere else. I'd be anywhere else that is here. If I'm, I was I in a position where I did not need to work, where all my my expenses were covered, where I had the mm -hmm. spending money I wanted to have, why the fuck would I be doing that? 
Yeah. Which isn't to say I would just spend my day watching movies all the time. Yeah. I would probably end up doing something, but not what I'm working at now. Like, don't get me wrong. I like my new job. I, it is, it is, it is fucking leagues better than my old one, but it's still a fucking job. I still have to spend, you know, I'm very fortunate that I have a very short commute, but my day starts at 7 a.m. There is no fucking reason in the world I want to be up before like 10, period. Mm-hmm. And the fact that I am and I have to be, nah, nah. And I, 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 was, I, well, I get up at four o'clock. What the fuck? I don't give a shit. I wish you all the best. Um, but I, I don't understand. Yeah, this, this idea of like, you know, it's it's just a very old fashioned idea because there was a time when companies understood the game that it was we take care of you, you take care of us. It's a mutually beneficial symbiotic relationship. But now that more finance stuff has come into play, and you have more uh, 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 like Wall Street investors, they're like, no, we need money now. Was going to make us a profit right now. You can thank Ronald and, Reagan for that. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. I mean you can you can you can trace back pretty much every major problem to, to, to Reagan era deregulation. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's 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 all fucking nonsense. It really. Anyway, is. we have been going on about this for a long time. We have. We should talk about something else. Should. Yes, <laughs> we totally should. Um, we, we're 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 supposed to be a, a an escape. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Yes, we are. We are. We turned the cold <laughs> open into the May into, into episode yeah. one. Yeah, there you go, guys. Enjoy. Uh, so, let's pivot into um, why Rambo was not with us in the very beginning of the podcast. We told you guys about that. Baltimore Comic Con's going on. We wanted to share a couple of our stories about some of our favorite things that have either happened at cons or just crazy things that have occurred while we've been at, at cons. Um, it's a two-parter for me. The first one would be um, the it was a uh, an awesome con, and it was the first awesome con that I had an experience with uh, our buddy MC Brooks. So we were working for another organization at the time, and um, we got press uh, press access to Awesome Con, which I was fucking stoked about because, like, I was like, I can't believe I tricked these guys into giving me press con- uh, credentials. Um, yeah, no suckers. Uh, so they asked me, they're like, who's going to be the representative that's showing up? And I was like, oh yeah, M C Brooks. And he shows up to pick them up because I'm a dumbass. I know his real name. It's in my phone as his real name, but I told them MC Brooks and he shows up with his real name, which is not MC Brooks. And they're just like, uh, who are you? And he's like, um, this is who I am. And they're like, no, it says MC Brooks right here. And he, you're like, but that's me. They had to call me at work. Like I'm his fucking dad. Like, <laughs> can you come pick him up, please? You all right, MC? I'm not feeling good. My stomach hurts. Can you come get me? Like they literally had to fucking call me at work. I'm like, yes, that's him. I'm stupid. My bad. And they, they finally let him in. But it was just one of those things that was just really fucking dumb on my part that I didn't even think about it. But still, I you got in and you got press access and it was a yeah, good time. Yeah, it was. It was. It was awesome. That it's funny yeah. to look. It's funny to look 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 back at it now, especially because I feel like in the moment I was like, oh fuck, am I? Did I take off to come here and I don't even get to like come to this convention? 
we'd only known each other for a couple months too. And you're like, God, fuck <laughs> this guy, man. Jesus, he doesn't know shit. Um, that's that's one. I've I've been to a bunch of awesome cons and I've had some pretty cool experiences. Um, that was the first time I got to meet, meet you, uh, Yuli. Was at an awesome con. Um, he invited me on his TV show, which was awesome. Um, so I got to be on Fantastic Forum, um, which was pretty dope. Um, I got to see Stan Stan Lee uh, ogle some young woman in, in scantily clad clothing. And like he was, I mean, at this point he was like in his late 80s. So like nobody gave a shit. But I mean, he was just like, boom, staring right at boobs the whole time. Hey, how are you, true believer? Like it was bad. <laughs> like it was just. <laughs> but yeah, I got to see that. Um, yeah, I got to... Wes Johnson. That was the first time I got to meet him face to face. Um, who just by the, the just is one of the nicest fucking dudes on the face of the planet. Like we've had so many cool interactions with him. Um, he's doing some awesome stuff right now. He's in that new Starfield game. He's a voice actor in that. Um, John St. John. Um, I've had lots of great interactions with him at conventions and things like that. Just overall uh, good people. But the best one, in spite of the fucking drama that came with it, and the bullshit that is the people who run that fucking con. Um, yeah, and you know what? I hope they hear me because I'm never coming back to your fucking con because of the bullshit you guys pulled. Um, that being said, the fact that it was a dream of mine early on when we first started GGR to think maybe we'll be in a place where we're well thought of enough that we will get our own panel. And we did. And getting to do that was just really fucking cool. Like I said, all the drama that was associated with, with was horse shit. And because of that, the experience of getting to do it was not so great that I pushed the other side, uh, the other stuff aside. Um, it still was an awesome moment that I will put up here on a shelf and remember forever, but we'll never do it again because fuck them and their bullshit. So yeah. But yeah, just having people show up to our event and like actually seeing them hear the stuff we were saying and being like, yeah, that that's fucking cool. And like, not only that, um, the stickers, um, people are telling me that the stickers oh, yeah. are showing up in places. Um, our, our good buddy, Phil, Phil put a sticker, um, at, um, on one of the little like electrical boxes. If you've been to Rehoboth beach, you know what I'm talking about? It's this big silver mm -hmm. metal boxes where they keep all the stuff for like the, on the telephone poles. He put a GGR sticker there. And I was like, that's so fucking cool. Um, you should do that. Just put them everywhere. Like, what, just, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, not only that, but like invite people who get them to like, yeah, Hey, yep. post a sticker somewhere. Send us, yep. send us where, send us, uh, give us a Ripley sighting. That'll be where's, awesome. Where's, yeah. where's Ripley checking in from? Yeah. It'll, that's, like, 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 that's a really cool idea. Like we're, uh, like we're, a. Uh, punk band yeah like yeah. <laughs> viral marketing yeah um yeah i mean i've been doing a couple other cons i went to baltimore con a couple times that was fun um uh went to whichever one was the one in philly i can't remember who was running that wizard world i think wizard con something like that yeah wizard i think world, i really. think yeah wizard yeah. world wizard world sucks if you're an exhibitor though um because wizard world was um all of the avengers were there uh, it was right after the first Avengers movie came out. All of the Avengers were there, so nobody gave a fuck about exhibitors at all. They did not give a shit about your comic books. They were all there specifically just to see the Avengers, which sucked. But um, I mean, Philly's cool. I like cheesesteaks. Like, it, yeah, what are you gonna do? You know, um, yeah. Th I mean, those are the best things I can think of um, from Comic Con. I mean, I did meet. Um, um, he ended up working on. He was uh, Scrooge in. Um, in our um 
Christmas Carol that we did, Casey uh, Caracciolo, um, I met him at the first awesome con that they ever had. Uh, we were, our booths were right next to each other uh, and we really, really hit it off and had a good time. So like just getting to meet people that are like of the same mindset and like that you get to have a good time with because you're both geeky and nerdy is, is always a good thing. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, 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 it's kind of funny because uh, I had a realization this year and actually this month, I need to, I should look at what the date actually, or not even this month, last month, uh, last month, my con going, my experience going to cons turned 18. I went to my first con in 2005 and it's kind of crazy to think that like, fuck, I've been, I've been going to these things for almost 20 years at this, at this point. Like that's, yeah. that's, that's kind of crazy. What was, your, um, uh, what was your first one you ever went to? Oda, Odacon in Baltimore. Um, oh, nice. uh, my best friend at the time, uh, my high school best friend at the time, she actually learned about what it was and was like, do you want to go? I was like, yeah, of course. And so I remember, uh, I remember like uh, going over and her mom, like like driving us up to Baltimore to like pick us, uh, to drop us off and getting the whole like, don't be out too late. Make sure to, you know, eight o'clock, I'm going to be right here to pick you guys. Like that's, <laughs> awesome. That, that's awesome. That whole, that whole thing. Yeah. And it was, I mean, it was, it was, it was, it was a lot of fun. And like, to be honest, I don't, I don't think I have too many like fun stories from like the early days of that, other than just being like very wide-eyed like, wow, people like dress up as superheroes and they wear the shirts I like to wear. And like other people are talking about the shows that I like, like, no one's gonna, you know, yell anime porn at me for looking at manga. Like this is kind of dope. Um, but yeah, like I think most of my most of my best or some of my favorite like kind of experiences have definitely been in the last decade. And I would even say like most notably like in the last five years in particular. I mean, like one of the highlights that I always kind of go back to that I literally wouldn't have happened if not for GGR was getting to meet Rachel True and oh, Estelle yeah. at BlurredCon uh, now four years ago. Um, and even just, well, one, realizing that, like, Rachel True, like, photo, like she is fine in photo, on film, and in person. That is just, oof. Yeah, yeah. It, is, it is just, just wow. She's also very a very tiny woman, which I guess I should have surmised, but still, very tiny woman. Um, but then, then like Estelle and like actually having a conversation with her after the group interview and she told me she liked my shirt and then I got a selfie with like, that's really fucking cool. It's like, you know, you don't ever think that these figures who are like, oh, you sing songs that are played on the radio or you've played this character in this movie or show that I like and you just get to meet them and they're just like a person just like you. It's like, oh, hey, you know, I, I like I like pizza. <laughs> I like pizza and 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 you know I like my eggs scrambled and they're just regular ass people, yeah. Um, which is which is cool. But like meeting meeting the two of them at BlurredCon was 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 really fun. Um, I'll actually second uh, the one you mentioned, Mike, too, which is like even though you know bullshit occurred, I still think that it was like the experience of like going through the process of like you know ha doing a panel. Yeah. Um, or watching you guys do a panel was like still really fucking cool. And I still think it's like that's a that's a something to be it's something that's definitely noteworthy. You know, I, I you know, like even with the, the nonsense that occurred and with all the, how angry I was over the course of that weekend, like it it was still really, it was, that was still still really, really fun. Um, 
gosh, performing at my first convention two two years ago now, which was which was kind of which was kind of cool. It's kind of like a surreal thing. Like I don't ever feel like a celebrity, and I'm very much not a celebrity whatsoever. But it is kind of cool to like, you know, you get the special badge to go to this area that no one else, the only special people get to go to. You know, they they say your name over the the speaker in front of people. Then you go up and do it, and then even then, like afterwards, you'll randomly see people being like, "Oh, hey, you you did the you you were outside on the outside stage. That's really cool." Funny enough, I actually had a moment um, at the my nerd meetup group, um, our monthly zooms. I had a moment like that where just talking randomly, and then someone out of nowhere was like, "Hey, did you perform at BlurredCon this summer?" And I'm like, uh, "Yeah," and it's like, "Oh yeah, that's all you did. You were awesome. I was." I was uh sitting in the uh sitting in the at the the tables outside. It was it was really dope, and it just kind of it was just kind of was like oh damn, uh, someone caught me in the wild. This is this is really <laughs> cool. <laughs> it is really cool, but really <laughs> random. Um, but yeah, like that that was also really just a really cool experience. Um, um, Cree Summer touched me this year. At, oh I, shit! You know, which I should hold on. Let me clean that up because that sounds bad. Uh, me, and, me, me and Brittany bumped into Cree Summer, or rather, Cree Summer bumped into us because we were tr- we were actually trying to get to um, another panel, but that ended up being like uh, that ended up being uh, full. Um, so we were just literally standing around. I was trying to pull up the map so we could figure out, okay, like, okay, well, what are we gonna go do now instead? And just out of nowhere, like, feel someone's kind of like bump into us. Like inadvertent, you can tell it was it was wasn't on purpose. It wasn't someone trying to be like a dick or anything. You could tell it was just, and then like we turn around, and my brain did not register at first, but then like I just felt a hand like touch me on the wrist and was like, oh, I'm so I'm so sorry, I'm so I'm so sorry, I'm just trying to trying to get through here. And then like my brain processed and was like, you're Cree Summer, and you're touching my arm. Girl, you can do whatever you want. And, and you said sorry for bumping. <laughs> you said sorry for bumping into me. What? I'm sorry, <laughs> Fre- Freddie. Oh. Freddie just touched me. <laughs> <laughs> it was just. It was like it, it just really threw me off. But it was. But I was also just kind of like starstruck. It was just like, oh fuck, that's real. That's really Cree Summer. Like holy shit. Like the yeah. the voice of so many of my favorite cartoons from youth to now. Um, holy fuck. That, yeah. So that was that was kind of like a, a starstruck kind of thing. That was that was kind of cool. Um, I'm pretty sure I have probably other things I could probably think of, but you know, like, you know, uh, you know, con, I feel like cons have kind of just been like a really just a, a have been like a good place to socialize. Yeah, for me, or just find other people that like the stuff I like. You know, I think because I still remember the time before the internet what it was, and so like not really always having all the friends who were into the same stuff or being able to play games with. And so like, you know, I think part of my enjoyment is just, is, is getting like the opportunity to go and have that community, but also, you know, exposing that for other people, like, you know, taking Brittany to her first convention this year and like letting her be able to nerd out and like kind of seeing the joy in being able to be around other people. Cause she hasn't, she hadn't really been around people to like nerd out with. And I think that that's kind of cool. It's kind of, it was kind of like a real life version of like, watching reaction videos on YouTube. You're watching someone find the joy out of a song that I've loved for a decade and seeing them discover how great it is. And so kind of it's kind of a similar thing. Yeah. There's a term for that. It is called compersion. Compersion. Yeah. I learned about that uh, 
when I was at the theater and Black Panther was uh, uh, released because I enjoyed the shit out of the movie. But getting to see all these people who had never really seen themselves represented mm-hmm. on screen and in a really positive way um, was... I I I I was feeling exactly what you're talking about. I was just this the real sense of joy from uh from somebody else's happiness. Mm-hmm. Uh and I was like, there yeah. has to be a thing for this. And it's it's a I don't know if it's a term coined by the poly community, but it is a term used a lot in the poly community. Um mm, okay. because it's just about you experiencing happiness from somebody else's happiness. Yeah. That's awesome. That um that's a great term. Yeah. No, it was it's funny. I can't remember what episode because um I do the for those who don't know, I'm the one that edits the uh, the podcasts for us. Um, I was editing one of them, and you recently had mentioned that, and that word came up. So, yeah, that's it's funny that just came up again. So, compersion. Um, Rambo, what about you, man? What about you? What are some of your uh, your good con memories? I mean, it, there's there's a few. Um, I <laughs> I I. The first one that springs to mind is such a little one. Um, I had uh, my my the, the the Alamo out in Loudon um, a while back. Uh, I heard that they were uh, screening Monster Squad, and I had just done a couple of prints for them uh, of of the mon- a couple of Monster Squad characters, and I was like, "Hey, would you guys be cool with me setting up shop and selling some art in the uh, in the lobby?" Uh, and they were like, "Yeah, sure." Uh, and so that started this thing where I did it like two or three times. Um, and it was a lot of fun and, and, you know, made a little bit of money and got to hang out for a little bit and talk movies and shit. But one of the movies I did it for was Paul Feig's Ghostbusters from 2016. And so it's, I drew all four of the new Ghostbusters and there, there, there's a, there's a, a short, uh, a story that happened at the Alamo, but I'll, I don't really feel what we're talking about right now. Um, but later on I was at, uh, awesome con uh either that year or the year after and this guy walks up and he's you know he's looking at my stuff and i have you know the way i would usually have my table set up is uh i have little frames uh frame prints of everything that i sell yeah uh, both the the original pieces and the the frame or the the prints and um he's he's looking at all my stuff and he and he sees the ghostbusters and he's like oh man it sucks that you had to draw the, those Ghostbusters, and without even thinking, I was like, I didn't have to draw shit. And he was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> and, and like, he took a business card and he left. And it, it was, I wasn't even trying to be like, I wasn't even trying to be like aggressive or so confrontational. Funny. It just came out. I was that's like, your de- I, That's I your def- that's your default setting. I love I that. Like, Fucking! What are you talking about, man? Um, but yeah, uh, so yeah, so that happened. I mean, like the very first convention I ever went to uh, was actually my buddy Eden. His dad um, had uh, Andy has an uh, absurd fucking comic collection. He was he was the guy that bought two copies of everything and just like put one in a bag and put it in a box and never touched it again. Um, and managed to put his wife through like two different kinds of uh, 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 like supplemental degrees because Damn. of his collection. That's awesome. Um, and so he uh, he was like, "Oh, the you know the comic collecting 
the CCG, I can't remember the specific what it, what it stands for, but they're like comic appraisers. Yeah. Um. They they uh, uh of a sort. They're they're like and, and like they're they're really the only ones that are properly recognized by the industry. But you go and they'll take a look at it and they'll give you give it a specific grade from one to ten, and that significantly increases the the value of the book, uh, or very rarely decreases. Um. But so he was like, yeah, I have a bunch of books I want to get graded, and then that'll help me to sell them. Uh, we're gonna it's, the show is up in Philly. We're all going to take a day trip. And I'd never been to a convention before. I was like, fuck, yeah, let's do it. So we go up there and it was just incredible. It was it was a great time. Um, and I had that the, the preceding Christmas, um, my mom had gotten me uh, an Echo T-shirt uh, with Daredevil on the front. And I still have that shirt. Um and uh, a Mark Echo specifically, sure, not just like you know Echo the character. Um, and I was like, I'm I'm gonna wear my Echo shirt and we'll see what'll happen. And while we were on the escalator coming into the convention center, uh, we're looking around. And I look down and at the end, just as we we're about to get off, Joe Casada, the at the time the editor in chief of Marvel Comics, gets on the the escalator. Casada. Uh, you know, famously started uh, the Marvel Light Knights line, um, drew uh, to date still my favorite ever Daredevil cover. Um, and I was like, I will be standing at the top of this escalator waiting for him. Uh, and he he got off the escalator. And I was like, hey, man. And I chatted with him for a couple minutes and he signed my shirt. Um, <laughs> and uh Later on, and, and that was that was fucking awesome. And then later on, uh, I saw David Mack, and David Mack is a, an artist and a writer, and he wrote, he actually created the character of Echo, funny enough, um, for Daredevil, and uh, he's an incredible artist, and and um, you know, I was I, I got him to sign my shirt too, uh, and and we were kind of chit chatting for a little bit, and. Um, he was like, you know, have you ever read Kabuki? And Kabuki is his creator-owned uh, comic. Um, and I was like, you know, I've always wanted to, but I've never really got around to it. And he, I was flat broke. Uh, and he picks up a copy of the first trade, and he signs it, and he hands it to me. And I was like, oh, man, I don't have any money. He's like, no, no, that's cool, man. Just read it. If you like it, you know, maybe pick up another one. And I'm like, fucking yeah, David Mack. And he was the nicest guy. He's like, you just want to give him a big hug. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, like my first, I, I am, I, we've talked about this before with like music. I am spoiled for a lot of firsts because I managed to have not just a good experience, but An amazing uh, one. a really like impressive, like oh, almost too good experience. Yeah. Um, and uh yeah it was it was just a lot of fun and it was it was really great i mean i've had plenty of shitty con experiences too i also have a much longer story that i think i may have told it once uh or one time on the show about uh the killing joke yes okay yeah uh the short version of that is i got to watch brian boland uh the guy who drew the killing joke among other things uh and it was a very pleasant uh very you know dignified uh uh late middle-aged british man turn into like a 16 year old fanboy in front of me i fucking love that story (laughs) (laughs) because uh sorry uh, i'm sorry what (laughs) what uh 
<laughs> um because uh uh Jerry Ordway, not Jerry Ordway, Jerry Robinson um was at the show. So it was just like you could see the gen- it was the generational shift. Like this is a guy, you know, he grew up reading his comics and all that and um it was just, you know, a really personal, really uh cool. really great moment. It's cool as shit, man. Awesome. Yeah, I love that. Um I sometimes have to remember because like I haven't been to a con since the last awesome con that we went to. Um, because I'm still kind of pissed. Um, but I have to ha- having this conversation, I'm really glad we did because it reminds me of how much fun I have when we do stuff like this. So maybe we need to do another one that's not awesome con, like as a as a as a trio. Um we'll have to figure something out, but either way. Um I mean, there's, and there's, there's yeah. a couple of new ones that have been popping up uh lately too. So you know. Maybe maybe we can yeah. reach yeah. out. Yeah, for sure, man. We we certainly can. Um, let's let's go into um our buddy Phil. Phil had a wonderful question for us, and I think this will be great because this will give us enough time to do this and then wrap up right around uh right around time for us. Um <laughs> maybe. Uh MC, I'm not <laughs> sure. Um I still have to reach out to that person and see if we can get into Katsakon. Um, okay. You don't know the story. Let me tell you the story. So, um, we got invited to Katsakon during the pandemic. Um, MC and Rambo both were like, no, dude, it's the middle of the pandemic. We can't do it. And I was like, okay, I intend to tell this person with a month in advance that we can't do it. However, um, I ended up getting a really serious infection and, um, like had to go to the hospital for it. It was really, really bad. Um, I forgot to tell the person because I had some health stuff going on. You ever forget? Me too. Happened to me. Um, forgot to tell the person. And I told them like two days in advance and they got really, really, really upset with me. And they said, um, you know, I pulled a lot of strings to do this and I did all this and I did all that. Um, mind you, they invited us. I didn't ask for this. They just invited us. And it was really, really cool. But like at the same time, I didn't really ask for it. But um I was just thinking about that the other day. Maybe I'll reach out to that person and just be like, hey, yeah. my bad. I'm sorry. I, I just wanted to see where we're at, you know? Yeah, because if I, if I remember correctly, too, <clears throat> that was uh, that was like right after um, the Omicron variant was, was like really was like yeah. making its rounds. And, yeah. I, and if I remember correctly, MAGFest had the – that was the year MAGFest had like that crazy – like post convention where like a ton of people yes. ended up getting in, get, ended up getting infected. And because right. in there, they they operate in the same space as Katsukon and it's yep. in the same location. And so that was also like our version, our version too, which is like, well, the con just happened, even though this one will have less, uh, a little less people. It literally like everywhere in there was covered with yep. stuff and people and like a lot of people ended up catching it yep. in the aftermath. Yeah, no, it was it was rough. Um, all right, so we got like twenty minutes. Let, let's finish up um, with Phil's question. Phil Yudson, one of our wonderful Patreon subscribers and uh, voice of the listener, uh, as his he has been dubbed. Um, Phil gave us a great question, basically wanting to know like how we got started with some of the things that we're really really passionate about. Uh, for instance, MC with anime, Rambo with comics, um, and I'll give you guys the option. We've talked about this before, like. There's a couple of things that I'm real passionate about, Star Trek, Star Wars. But then Rambo brought up one really good, music. And I think I'll do I think I'll do music because I like I love talking about music. So 
But um, Rambo, you want to kick us off here, bud? Um, how did you get into comics? Do you remember? Like, so this is the the sort of um, I guess potentially disappointing part about the story. My memory of childhood is garbage. Um, I don't ever really remember a time where I wasn't into the comic into comic books. Um, I can remember one of my early uh, one of my earliest memories with comics was there was a uh, there was a pharmacy that was about two or three blocks away from us, uh, Mattapony Pharmacy, um, and they had a little spinner rack, and you know. Uh, I remember not having much money, but I, I went over and, and saw that there was like an issue of Wolverine that was like 99 cents. Um, I could not begin to tell you what happens in that comic book, but I bought it and I was super excited. I brought it home and I read it. Um, but I, I am the guy that uh, always collected comic or always read comics, never really collected comics. I still kind of balk at that, that, uh, that title it's like oh you collect comic books like no I, I i'm not really worried about the value of them i read them yeah i read them right um which is what also what makes like the 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 secondary part of that brian boland story <laughs> like such a rarity like the fact that i actually had something that was valuable um but uh yeah i just i i i don't know man and i and i spent some time thinking about this like you know yeah I, I remember my dad, there was a, a, a shop called Collector's Crypt over in Greenbelt, Maryland. What a great and name for a comic shop. MC, you, 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 did you ever yeah, go there? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah um, I remember. And it was, it was one of those, like, little, um, you know, tiny retail spots that was, as, as someone who has worked in comic book shops, the idea of working there sounds like a goddamn nightmare because it was just shit everywhere. They had there was like no organization to the store beyond like the broadest sense of like posters are over there, new comics are on this wall, uh, back issues are in the middle. That's it. Um, There's some shit over there. I, I don't know. It was just piles <laughs> and piles of stuff. But to a little kid. It was this treasure trove of like, there's all these things I can look at and there's all this stuff I can buy and there are all these things I love and things I don't even know anything about. And, um, and I, I, there were at least two posters I got from there. There was a, uh, there was a Venom poster, uh, that I think Adam Kubert drew, uh of venom like hang i i didn't even give a shit about venom i just thought the poster looked so awesome mm-hmm. um but it was it was venom hanging off the uh the ceiling of uh the sewer uh holding a chain that was on fire for oh, chain with which had like a skull at the end of it that was on fire for some reason and the whole poster was all like black and like bright greens and blues and purples um and there was a a mark Teixeira, uh, a Ghost Rider poster um, that was just fucking sick. And that thing, both of those posters were on like most of the rooms I lived in growing up uh, for for many, many years. Awesome. Um, but if, you know, funny enough, the way I, I remember being able to like, it wasn't really how I got into it, but the way I was able to stick around and kind of follow comics for the longest time was wizard magazine 
Oh, wow. Um, Thought about that in a long time. Right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, so for anybody who doesn't know, um, uh, at the, if, if game pro is to uh video games as wizard was to comic books it was you know there were a ton of interviews there were all these articles about um with, with different creators and and uh about new comics and you know what was going on in the industry and um and it was really funny and um and and laid out in this very sort of like mtv generation like lots of bright colors lots of shit going on everywhere like as a a a younger man growing into an older man uh when i i remember seeing like maxim and being like oh this is like wizard for sex okay cool um (laughs) wizard wizard with boobs yeah (laughs) that's wizard magazine with, with boobs in it yeah um like real boobs not drawn boobs um but like there's there, like there were there are still jokes in that in the fucking wizard that make me laugh. Like there was a um there's a page in Batman Hush where Batman and Super, uh, Batman and Superman, Batman and Superman are kissing. Uh Batman and Catwoman are making out and they just added this word this this thought bubble um or thought balloon above his head and he's like, ew, her tongue's all scratchy. And... <laughs> that is solid and that's just like this is solid one of those humor jokes that like i mean there was a letter <laughs> column that this guy jim mclaughlin used to write um uh i think called magic words and at one point somebody was like you know so you you could send in like you know i read this thing and what does that mean and all that kind of shit but it would also be like um uh i i always wanted to do this thing about this particular kind of comic thing you know what can you tell me and mclaughlin was one of the managing editors at at a uh, at wizard and so he would just call up creators and be like hey somebody asked this, asked me this thing what do you think and he would get like you know sometimes very straight serious answers but sometimes it would just be goofy shit and one of them was how hot can the human torch get and how cold can iceman get and he's like so i reached out to such and such and i you know and i found out this the human torch can get up to nova flame which is like the corona of the sun like it is incredibly dangerous and it's like you know x amount kelvin and blah 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 and all this shit and he's like iceman though how cold can iceman get iceman will steal your girlfriend right after you broke up with her and eat the last slice of pizza that's cold man (laughs) (laughs) it's like so so there's so much of of shit like that like really like was was kind of fundamental in forming my uh my sense of humor and um and just like opening me up to all these things i would never have been able to see otherwise like you know i was 11 12 13 i didn't know what preacher was but i found out about it because of a wizard i i was able to to be exposed to all of these uh, these comics and these creators, all these um, these different experiences because of this magazine, uh, and I would yeah I would say like, you know that is probably the most fundamental uh, uh, and and foundational thing about me reading comics at all. Solid man, that's awesome. Yeah, um, MC anime <laughs> like and like I want to point out too. I-, I love that you've shared with us how this your love of anime like survived you catching a lot of shit because like so for some people you just be like fuck it i'm not even going to stay into this because like if i'm gonna do this and people are going to be on me about it and it's going to 
caused me to get teased and, and bullied, then fuck it. But like the fact that you stuck with it throughout that is still pretty, is, is really awesome. You're muted right now, bud. Um, <laughs> he's trying to, he's trying to take the, the title back from you, Rambo. <laughs> <laughs> The, well, the funny thing is, is I actually did lose it for a, a time. I, I think without even realizing it, I think um, I actually uh, said this to um, the guy I was shooting, the, my friend who I was shooting the video with yesterday, that I think, you know, some of the some of the last elements of religiosity that I had carried that I still had with me in my late teens and early 20s was... Uh, some 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 ideas about like well you know now that i'm an adult it's time to put away childish things so i think i carried some of that with me through college and even some of my early 20s where i mean i was always a nerd but i just never i, I didn't really keep up with things i didn't really try to try to uh be as much of a fan as i am now or be as outward with my fandom um then as as like for example as as i am now um and I, I I tried to dabble in stuff over the years, but it just it really just wasn't. I don't know. I just I just I just uh, there were I had so many different influences, including a, a previous romantic partner of mine who really like kind of made me feel really guilty about be, even being into that stuff as an adult. And you know, having like super low self esteem at the time, I was like, yeah, I guess you know they're right. Why you know yeah why. Um, and it really wasn't until, uh, like I said, I've, I've been going to the conventions over the years. So like, I, I always, I still kind of kept up to some, to like to some extent, um, but it really wasn't until the pandemic where, well, I was just, you know, like everyone else was home all the time for two years. And so I was able to really kind of dig, uh, kind of get reacquainted with the medium in a way that I didn't really have time to or really allow myself the space and freedom and freedom to now and you know i think uh even even now i, I feel sometimes uh i feel a little guilty sometimes about the fact that i kind of let other people's feelings about it kind of really dictate how much i allowed myself to enjoy it or to participate um i'm participate in it because i mean so like I mean my my origins with anime are kind of kind of <laughs> not all that interesting. Like I I third grade I used to come home I used to I went to school with my cousin. We would go home and there used to be this uh, this one cartoon that came on at three o'clock that looked like nothing else uh, called Ronin Warriors, and it looked really cool. It followed kind of the same structure as like the Power Rangers, who I was obsessed with as a kid, because it was like, oh, the red one, the one in red is the leader. And then you also have these other characters in blue and green and so on and so forth. And like me and him, like we were obsessed, like we literally would would run home um, or, or we would my aunt who taught at the school we were at, we would literally nag her school when school would end and be like, hey, we need to go home like now, like uh, we need like we need to go. <laughs> we we are not gonna we, we don't are not understand. Gonna it's time to leave. Yes, like it is <laughs> it's time to go. I, I know you have papers to grade, but we we gotta go. <laughs> um and, and and like I didn't like it was it was it was it was it could, and it was just it was so unlike anything else that I had I'd really watched that like it it just always had stuck with me. But I didn't like my family, we didn't have cable, so the only 
time I really got to watch it was with, if I was at my cousin's house when, um, when it, when it was airing. And so that, that kind of, so that faded cause I, I, I didn't really focus. I couldn't really focus on it cause I, we didn't have cable to watch it. Then fifth grade, you know, I got swept up in the same phenomenon that swept the nation in 1998 when pocket monsters showed up in America so I got swept up in the TV show, the trading card game. Like I, I was, I was obsessed. I, I played the games. I watched the show. I used to compete with the trading card game. Like I was going to the card shops to buy them. I was entering in tournaments. I was playing my friends. I was completely hooked on it. And then I got hooked on the spinoffs. Well, not spinoffs, but the uh, like Digimon brought came over. And that gained popularity and Monster Rancher, so on and so forth. So like I, I was I was completely into it. And then eighth grade, yay, we got cable. Um, <laughs> um, then I got swept up in like the 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 other big Japanese phenomena that that took over America at one point, which was Dragon Ball Z. Dragon, you know, Dragon Ball Z. And I think the thing with Dragon Ball Z too that I didn't real that I didn't I didn't know at the time, but I learned was a thing later was that episodes of Dragon Ball Z would air on public access channels. So like my friends who didn't have cable, who would be tuning in to watch like, you know, these these really who these really terrible like uh ripoffs of popular cartoons. Well Dragon Ball Z would also end up airing. And so with the the boys, um, because I was much nerdier than all the boys at the school I went with, but it gave me something to be able to connect with them over, which is like, oh yeah, Goku. Goku was really awesome in this episode, wasn't he? Um, is, you know, do you think he's gonna beat Frieza? And so, like, I got I got really kind of uh, kind of um, kind of hooked on that too. Um, and just this idea of and, and there's actually been um, uh, like some psychology studies that have talked about how like the how like uh, a, sh a show like Dragon Ball Z was very good for young boys in terms of like preaching these like themes of like uh, self-motivation and um, mm -hmm. self-discovery and going after your goals, you know, uh, working hard to obtain the things you want, um, which were themes that, that, that popped up, you know, in, in that show, like Goku, when he wanted to beat something, like he had, it meant having to train, it meant having to sacrifice doing this so that he could get better at this. And like, it was really, it was really, really cool. But even that wasn't the thing, because I, I did like Dragon Ball Z, but even that wasn't the thing. The thing that really, really hooked me into anime was Toonami slash Adult Swim. Those, uh, and, and even though Dragon Ball Z did air on Toonami, it wasn't like the thing. Like it, it was my, my two best friends at the time. Like it was very much a thing of they were talking to each other about it. And I'm like, hey, what are you guys talking about? What is... What do you like? What do you like? What do you? Which show is this? I don't know what you're talking about. Um, and like my best friend at the time was very obsessed with like giant thing with like giant uh, machines, giant mechs, and uh, Gundam Wing was one of the shows that aired on both Tsunami and I think, uh, think uh, Adult Swim as well. Um, which you know, like Gundam Wing is all about war. Like there, you have these, you have these, uh, these young teenage kids who are getting involved in this big galactic war in space, and they're piloting these, these giant mechs uh, that looked really fucking cool. It was very Voltron like, um, um, and so that was one of the that, like I, I got hooked on that kind of like immediately, and 
I think also just discovering more about anime, the medium. And I think some of the appeal was also just, it was so different than like American cartoons at the time. Like I loved Cartoon Network. I know it's unpopular to say, but I loved Ed, Ed, Nettie, Cow and Chicken. I, I, I loved all of that. You know, like those, those were all, those are all some of my favorite things, Dexter's Lab. But I think some of the appeal was just like, what is this animated thing here that like it's it looks so different than everything else I'm watching. The kind of stories that they're doing are so different than anything else they're that I've been able to find here. And like I'm just I find myself just very compelled to like, oh, I, I really want to follow, I want to learn more about this. Like, what is this? And that was kind of how like through wanting to be to like know what my friends were into. That's kind of that was that kind of started my like my foray really in uh, really getting into it, watching like uh, Sailor Moon, uh, Sailor Moon and Dragon Ball Z, obviously, you how could show, but then discovering that things that I had watched previously that I didn't know were anime, like Pokemon and Astro Boy, were like oh that those things are also considered anime. You just didn't really know what it was, and you know like um, the the compliment to it you know manga which is japanese comic books um as i transitioned in the, in the high school and you know i learned about that um one of my good friends from high school uh, introduced me to shonen jump which was basically uh, it was a big monthly um it may, actually it may have been weekly but this big like super thick uh book that basically had like the latest chapters for all these different uh, my, these different comics that were coming out of Japan. So things that we know now, like Naruto and One Piece and Bleach, like they origin they originated there, and it was like that. Uh, they, I got it got really hooked on that, which helped me to kind of um, continue to grow my interest in learning more about this medium and like also just learning about like culturally the differences, like why certain why certain tropes show up in their media versus. Um, you know, versus how they that may manifest here, and um, you know, it was just like through high school, like it was, it was, a, it was very, very much a big bonding experience, but also just very, you know, like I, I credit a lot of it with kind of helping to shape, um, just you know, some of my own understanding of like you know, uh, of like global politics and uh, gender identity, and like just going after things you want and motivations and. Uh, you know, and, and getting and getting that from a perspective that's not distinctly American, also. Um, so like it was just, it was just, it was very, it, it just, it cat, it just really grabbed me. And I think, I said, I think some of it really was because it was so different than everything else that I really just wanted to keep uh, getting into it. So like it kind of through through high school, like I, we took over Chess Club, and Chess Club became the de facto like anime club or really video, really just nerd club because we, we played everything but chess there. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, I, you know, all through high school, some of my best high school buds were people that we, we, um, we, we kind of bonded over our, our love of, of anime. And like, uh, like I said, my first convention I ever went to was Otakon, um, in which, you know, I got to go be around other people who also liked the same, the same, uh, the same thing as me. Um, and so, you, you know, I, I referenced this, uh, I don't know if you heard me in the beginning, Mike, but like, you know, I kind of got away from it as I transitioned into college because I kind of felt like 
you know, like I still had some old kind of dogmatic ideas about like, well, I'm an adult. I don't need to keep yeah. worrying about this stuff. And like, I think I did carry some of that guilt of being made to feel bad for like, for still liking these things. Yeah. But you know, like it's, it's, I've always, the, the interest has always been there. It's always really just kind of stuck with me and resonated with me. And I would say like, even just to this point, like it's just, it was, it's been, it's been very helpful to me. Very, there have been shows that have been very therapeutic in like, helped me to kind of learn things about myself that I've, I've been able to see myself in certain characters that has helped me to, you know, discover things about myself. And um, yeah, I've just, I've just, I've, I've just always just been a big fan of the medium. And I, I think just there, there's some really awesome stories that are, that are being told there that I don't really get um, elsewhere. And I think that's some of the appeal too, is, is just a lot of that as well. That's awesome, man. Like, It's it's interesting because there's there's a couple of uh, experiences I have in my life that are very similar, um, where it's like you don't want to share these things for whatever reason, and like the the two that come to mind the most are Star Trek and Star Wars. Like now, like as as I wear a Star Trek shirt on our podcast, um, it, there was a time when you couldn't really be proud of being a Star Trek or a star Wars fan. Like it, it was not something that you could talk to about every uh, talk to with everybody because, ah, oh, look at this nerd. Like, and the star Trek fans were just kind of shunned over in a corner. And like, what's funny about it is, is like, that's not all of the star Trek fans. There are, because like picture the nerds from the Simpsons, like the glasses and the pocket protector. They, that's what everybody assumed was Star Trek fans. But there are so everybody, there were so many people that were Star Trek fans. Martin Luther King Jr. was a Star Trek fan. Like Desi Arnaz, Lucille Ball, their production company, Desi Lu, was the one who funded Star Trek. Without De without Lucy, there is no Star Trek. Like there's so many people who are who are Star Trek fans that you would never associate using that old mindset, that old mantra. Um, the one I wanted to talk about though was music specifically, um, and, I'll, and I'll, we'll wrap it up here because um, it doesn't have this doesn't have to be too um, long. Um, I, I absolutely love music, and it's one of those things where, as a kid, I didn't really understand why, but music was just always something that was there, and like as I began to learn, like it was more my mom, really. Um, she just always had music playing, like always, always, always had music playing. She would sing along to it horribly because my mom could not carry a tune in a bucket. Like she was just an awful, awful singer. Awful. And she always got the words wrong too. So like we, me, me and Sandy and Jax like purposefully will sing songs with the wrong lyrics and an awful pitch imitating my mom because you know that's how you honor somebody is by making fun of them uh, but like music is just something that is always just I, I have it on all the time a lot of times i have like we're podcasting i have it on right now and it's not loud it's just it doesn't feel right if i don't have music on when i'm at work doing things where i have to listen to stuff i have music on in the background because i just do it's it's something that is very important to me. Music sets the tone. It sets the mood. It sets everything. Like if I'm having a shit day, if I listen to a song that I really really like, you get that dopamine hit, man. It's not it's nice. 
Or if you hear a new song that you've never heard before and it really resonates with you, as I've come to learn, a lot of this has to do with the ADHD that I suffer from. Um, When you hear a new song, you'll go into a loop where you play the same song over and over and over again because it keeps giving you that dopamine hit. And then sometimes you'll play it 15 times in a row and then never, ever play it again because you're not getting the hit anymore. And then maybe a couple of years later, you'll be like, oh yeah, that song. And then you get the hit again. So it's like, it's able to come back. Um, but like it, I just, I, I love that feeling. And like, we talked about it in, um, the cold open from the last time we did a podcast, when I was talking about the offspring concert, um, going and seeing it live and being able to just jump up and down like an idiot and sing songs that, you know, every single word to at the top of your lungs is just like, it's like a religious experience, man. And I was one of those kids that would pour over the liner notes and read all of the lyrics to the songs and read all of the details so much so that the first Weezer album, you could actually sign up for the Weezer fan club and in the mail they would send you. And it was just a bunch of printed out um, like just regular printer paper, printed out lyrics of all of the words to the songs stapled fucking together by like some fans of theirs. But not only that, if you send them $5.95, they sent you a demo tape, a tape, a fucking tape of one of their unreleased songs called Jamie, which now you can find on like Spotify and shit. But like, I loved that. I loved that there were other people that were just as passionate about this as me that wanted to do these things, that wanted to know the inside, the, the ins and outs of this music. But also like, I love the stories behind it. That's why I created the Stop Me If You Heard This podcast was because I think the stories are fascinating. Um, I might even overwhelm Rambo with the TikToks that I sent him that have these behind the scenes stories um, because this shit is fascinating to me. I love it. I love whether it's movies, whether it's TV, whether it's um, video games, whether it's music. I love hearing about the creative process and the behind the scenes stuff and like I love stories. I love telling stories. I love hearing stories from other people. And that's what music is a lot of times, is it's telling these amazing stories. That's why, and people can make fun of me all all the time and be like, okay, old man, I can't believe you love Billy Joel. Billy Joel tells fucking amazing stories in his songs. And like, that's why he resonates with me. That and the fact that my mom played him all the time. And like, it's just one of those like sentimental things. Um, plus I think that like Billy Joel and the Jewish community have like a a thing where they're like, you know, really, really tight. I don't know why just Jews love Billy Joel for some reason. He's not even Jewish. Um, but yeah, like, well, it's because he's from New York. It makes sense. Um, yeah, I, the, the hit you get when you hear, and you don't get it as much when you're older, but like when you were younger and you heard music for the first time that you had never heard that was completely different than anything you had ever heard before. And I think of Nirvana is is what I think of every time. Um, I remember the first album I ever owned was um, (laughs) MC Hammer's Too Legit to Quit album. Um, It's great, solid album, man. Um, I was like in fourth grade, right? But I remember in fifth grade, that's when Nevermind came out. And I remember getting that, but I remember hearing it on the radio first and hearing it and being like, what the fuck is this? I've never heard anything like this. Why are they so mad? Why don't I understand any of the words that are saying, what the fuck is going on? And I went and bought the tape and I read through the lyrics and like everything. Like it was just, and they, they were so angry and I didn't know why. Cause I was like 10, but like just falling in love with that music. Same thing with the offspring. Like 
Same thing with Green Day. Same thing. Fuck, Rage Against the Machine when they came out. God damn. I'm like, this. they're mad and they're political. What is this about? Why are they mad at the government? Like, I didn't know why we were mad at the government, but we're mad at the government now. Cool. All right. Yep. And like, <laughs> once it hits that like level, that's when you're willing to risk life and limb and potentially being grounded for the rest of your life to sneak out of your house and go see a Rage Against the Machine show in DC when your mom told you specifically not to. Um, like... <laughs> That that's that's the connection I have with music. You you quit a job um, when you're 18 years old because you're waiting tables at Uno. Um, you quit the job because your your buddy has tickets to the HF Festival, and you're like, oh, fuck it, I can find a job anywhere. Um, but the HF Festival, you know that that is eternal. Um, yeah, like it's it's one of those things that it just I, I think for certain people, music hits them differently, and that's me. Like it just it means it's more to me. Than, than some people. Some people that can, when they're like, eh, music, eh, I can take it or leave it. I'm just like, how? fucking how? Yeah. Like, or the people, who, like the people who don't get excited about food and they're just like, uh, it's just sustenance. And I'm like, we are not what? friends. Yeah. If you don't, if you don't see, okay, you come into work, right? And somebody brought donuts. If you're not like, ooh, donuts, like we can't be friends because that shit gets me excited. If you don't do the Homer Simpson yeah. finger yeah. thing, <laughs> the finger waggle, <laughs> or a little da- or a little dance when your food is brought to your table. Oh, oh, or do do your significant others also do this when they take a bite of something that they really, really, really love, and they do the happy dance while they're eating yep. it? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's when I know that yeah. I. That's when I knew I did good with Sandy yeah. when, I, yeah. when we get food. <laughs> She's just like, <laughs> yeah. I probably do it too, honestly. <laughs> yeah, Katie looks like she just did heroin when she drinks uh, her first sip of McDonald's Coke. <laughs> her eyes get all dilated. No, like... it, it, it's, it's just like a. Oh. <laughs> oh my god, that's fucking fantastic! Ah, uh, all right, that uh, Phil, that was for you, bud. Um, that was a great topic, man. We appreciate you. Thank you very much. Um, we'll go ahead and wrap up because um, I know um, it's about that time. Big thanks to all of you wonderful listeners out there. We really, truly appreciate you uh, continuing to support what we do here at the Great Geek Refuge. we got big things coming in the future. We're still planning uh, an event for next year for the 10th, uh, 10th anniversary. So stay tuned for more details on that. But also a big thanks to you guys, uh, to MC, to James Rambo. I appreciate you guys always being part of this wonderful podcast and wonderful website that we run, but also all of the other members of the Greek Geek Refuge family. I appreciate you guys as well and love you guys too. That being said, we're going to go ahead and uh, close up shop today. Stay tuned for more episodes. They'll be coming soon. And remember, together, there are no heights that we can't reach. Thank you for listening to GGR Pirate Radio. Make sure you check out our website, greatgeekrefuge.com, for all of our awesome articles and wonderful podcasts. This has been Pirate Radio Network Production Juice Bags. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, boy!